Today's edition of the podcast is brought to you by CoachMe Plus. CoachMe Plus is the leader in athlete management software and a product that I've been lucky enough to be using for a little over a year now. Only rivaled by the impeccable customer service that Kevin and his staff provides, CoachMe Plus's ability to constantly be amoeba-like in their ability to mold and, and matriculate what you're trying to get across and bring together is, is absolutely fantastic. Their constant pursuit of better ways and better methods and, and innovations and progress to their own product is absolutely fantastic. Go over to CoachMePlus.com, check out what they got, guys. It's, uh, it's something that I guarantee you won't be disappointed with. In this edition of the podcast, I sit down and talk with the University of Pittsburgh's assistant strength and conditioning coach, Tim Belts. Guys, Tim and I are just going to talk about what it means to Tim to keep things simple, what he focuses on with his student-athletes, you know, the whole idea of keeping the goal the goal, uh, his time with Buddy Morris and how that has affected him, and uh, and what Tim's doing right now and what's, what's driving the things that he's doing right now with the student-athletes of Pittsburgh. It's always great catching up with Tim. He's had a great impact on my career. Hope you guys enjoy the talk as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Hey, Tim, thanks for being on with us today. Jay, thanks for having me. I appreciate you taking the time take the time to set this up. Yeah, man. So, you know, we've talked for quite a while now about quite a few things, and I think one thing that always we uh, come back to is just keeping things simple and, and staying with what works. So, so let's wrap about that a little bit today. Yeah, um, I guess I guess part of kind of what's what's led me into this is like I've just been kind of reevaluating kind of the profession and what direction where where we're going with what we're doing how we're doing things and I I just keep seeing to like there's always something new there's always something different you know it, it seems to me like what's what's really big now or kind of like like the sports psychologist stages where everybody's everybody's got a quote-unquote expert that they're going to bring in to help help with certain aspects of the either either the the lack of focus or you know making guys tougher for lack of a better term and i i think really just you know keeping it simple and doing the things that that we do well um really will help kind of you know have kept me pointed you know in the right direction you know not not overemphasizing like you know you know, eight to ten years ago, when when you know the functional movement screen became the kind of the deal, you know, it it was like you know, Alan and I were kind of taken back. We're like, whoa, well, wait a minute, you know, it's cool, it's got some, it's got some benefits, but it's not the end all be all. And I think that you know, kind of like with with everything with training, it's like, okay, well, you know, are we going to force plate our kids? Are we going to catapult them? Are we going to mega wave them? Are we going to put them on a GPS? You know, some other version of the GPS? Are we going to heart rate them? Are we, you know, what kind of auto regulatory stuff are we doing with them? What kind of readiness questionnaire? You know, like you can get inundated and kind of lose focus on what's actually important is, you know, teaching, you know, teaching teaching the athletes to move better and helping them push weight. And by keeping those two things simple, you can achieve in terms of mentally you're helping them actually get tougher, not actually making them tough, but getting them to figure out like, wow, I challenged myself there. I was successful or I challenged myself there. I failed, but I have confidence in that I can get that again. And that that seems to be the direction for me that where I think the most success can be gained. I mean, 
you know, I was talking with Alan the other day and, um, uh, and just about some movement stuff. And there's some crazy stuff out there that's really, really good. But I just don't know how applicable it is in our environment. Mm-hmm. 100%. You know, kind of piggybacking through all of that, I can say that, you know, without hesitation that as we've kind of moved back to keeping things simpler and simpler and simpler, and everybody talks about, you know, how you can't stay in your silo. Well, the further I've become more in that kind of quote unquote strength coach silo, the better the guys have been, the more focused they've been, the more effort they've put in, Yeah, you know, and it's, I think that the, especially in the, and this is just what I'm seeing with this group. The more that they know what to expect from a certain person, the more they're able to give to that certain aspect. You know, I I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I I always kind of revert back to what, you know, from back in the days when Buddy was here and we're going to see Louis Simmons on a regular basis. And, you know, and this is when, you know, the conjugate was really big and Westside Barbell was, was, you know, was really big in terms of what we were doing with football and that. And, and, and when I say kind of the Im, Im, impact and the impression they had on the program, um, but, you know, Louie was talking about, you know, special exercises and cycling things every two weeks. And and I remember Buddy saying, well, we, we can't cycle exercises every two weeks, man. Our, our kids don't pay attention, you know. And, you know, from a, from a central nervous system advancement standpoint, they barely even adapt to the exercise in two weeks. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that that's where for me I'm like, okay, well, Wait a minute. You know, we I've got to revert back to keeping it simple because early on it was every two weeks, bam, new exercise. And now it's kind of like, I mean, you know, just to give an example of what we're doing now, I mean, the last three weeks straight, four weeks straight, after after we've warmed up, done all of our, our smoke and mirror stuff, you know, from a movement standpoint, um, you know, it, it's we're hand cleaning and front squatting. Three, day, three to four days a week. Now, it's not heavy, but from a movement standpoint, they've gotten immensely better at it. Now, you know, for me, looking at it, am I, am I going to gauge the success of our program on, on how much we can hand clean? No. But if we're moving better and we're doing the exercise better, we're a- able to generate more force, then now we're able to have success. And I, I think kind of measuring success that way versus, you know, looking at it as, oh, we need to, you know, now we should be doing, you know, from mid-shin, mid-thigh, from the hip, you know what I mean? And and and, and, try, and really kind of, I think, making it more complicated than it needs to be. Um, you know, I, I, look, I'm not smart enough. I have to dumb things down for me to understand it. <laughs> well, I think that that idea of doing things over and over again it is very valid. I mean, that's basically what Doc Yesis talks about extensively. You know, he talks about the reason that one by 20 works is because you're not working at such a high load that you can't do it every day. Right. And then when you get stuck, you just change the exercise. Um, So, yeah, I think that that's brilliant because, you know, it takes a ton of reps to learn how to do it. Yeah. And and if that's, if that's something like, obviously for me, it's, it's one of my, you know, you know, movements, you know, we should be good at it. You know, if that's, if you're going to box squat, you should be good at box squatting. You know, if you're going to be, if you're going to board press, you should be good at board pressing. And and I, I mean that just in the sense of, you know, getting kids to hit reps and, and look, and, 
and I will say this openly, I, I've got a group of kids that don't even do the hand claim. They don't even they don't even claim front squat. They don't do any Olympic stuff. You know, because they're, they're a they're you know we've got whether we have some injuries or they're, or they're not ready for it. But that's you know it is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's you know I think also it's it's you know we being player driven too. I think is another thing that that really should be driving kind of what we're seeking out in terms of philosophies and theories. I, th- I think the players should be driving our programming, not, not, Hey, you do this because this is what it, this is what we're supposed to do. You know? And I mean that, you know, a, a player driven philosophy where, okay, our, our players don't do this well. Okay. Well, this is what we're going to do to combat that. I mean, we just spent, um, I want to say two full days of, testing with the neuromuscular research lab, the warrior lab here at the university. And I got back this booklet. I mean, it's, 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 it's that thick of our evaluations. And, you know, it's, it's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. How do I even interpret that? You know what I mean? Like, you know, here I am talking about keeping it simple. And I, and I got that stack of papers that, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh! Like, how do we, how do we, how do we deal with all this information? And we all know, you know, we all know what it says in that book, from Max VO2 to all the other stuff that we did. We all know what it says. <laughs> We've got poor ankle range motion. You know what I mean? Some yeah. some kids have have right and left dominant issues. Some kids have right and left balance issues. And you know, it, it's like, did we need did we need this all that testing? You know, but for me, I use, I use that because I don't have a screening process. I have what I've developed for myself to be a screening process. And I wanted another set of eyes to look at what we're doing and then be able to say, this is, excuse me, this is what I've seen. Or this is what we see with your group. Okay, are, are they seeing the same things I'm seeing? And, I, and can I create, you know, an environment where we're addressing the issues that we have? Right. And, you know, I, I, I think at the end of the day, our, the sole purpose for everybody is to try to try to do what we can from a performance enhancement standpoint and then also try to be as proactive as possible in injury management, whether it, it be your prevention, which we all know doesn't exist, but in your management of, okay, well, we, we know that if we do some really hard depth drops or some, some heavy eccentrics, that we're going to cause problems, and we do that over and over again. We're going to create issues. Right. You know, it's it's making sure that we're not creating issues and 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 overemphasizing muscular imbalances that we may have may or may not have. One hundred percent. And I think that the whole idea of having a player driven, and I'm actually going to talk about that a little bit on Saturday at Doug's gig. Is uh, talking about programming. It's like the whole idea of a needs analysis has kind of gone away. You know, especially when you look at it um, in, in three ways. It's like there's the sport, there's the position, and then there's the kid, right? And the third one, that might be the most important one because you think about it like you, you need to prescribe exercises as to what they can and can't do and what they're not good at and good at. So it's it's almost like the, the, the one that you would look at in the textbooks and say, well, that's third most important is actually number one. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I I mean it's funny you say that because I was out at um at, at DC training here on Monday and uh, at Jeff Moyer's place and it it was funny to like you know he's got lots of gadgets mm-hmm. lots of stuff he's crazy smart 
you know, and he has he has some great ideas. But, you know, he says when our kids come in, we take them outside, we film them, and evaluate. Them. You know that that's that's his version of the needs analysis, and that's where a few years back, you know, Alan, I think Alan did a presentation on the needs analysis, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think he might have done one, and I may have done one at Doug's uh, Doug's place in Junietta, but. Nonetheless, it's like it's like I feel like we've gotten away from that because we've got now all this technology that can help us, and it helps us. But I, is it really is it really pointing us in the right direction? You know, we've got we've got catapult, and we're going to be doing some heart rate stuff here. I I hope knock on wood we get we get the IRB approved. Um, but it's like is it is it changing what we do on a day to day basis? Is it is it really altering what we're doing? You know, I, I mean, I, I know in the NFL at the professional level, you know, they're they're shutting players down once they get above a certain load. Right. And I know I know certain programs have the ability to do that. Um, but I will also say, in games and in practices, I never saw our players get above the threshold that would shut them down. You know, so then you're like, okay, so what are we really doing? You know, now I'm still in the data collection phase. I'm I'm going to try to wait a full calendar year uh, and do some data collection before I I sit back and say we need to change X, Y, and Z. If there's something that I see that's a glaring, you know, a glaring response, we well, obviously we're we're obligated by you know putting the student athlete first to to protect them in any way, shape, or form. But um, you know, I, I you know with the, with the staff that we have, that that obviously will never be an issue, but. You know, I mean, obviously the the in the catapult it gets good stuff, but you know we don't. You know, in the typical pit way, we don't have the clear sky. You know what I mean? We didn't. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't buy the Bentley. We bought the Pinto. Right. <laughs> well, but it's still going to get you from point A to point B. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and and, and not to complain that all oh, boo hoo we didn't get the best one. You know, but for me, if you're if you're not getting speed and distance with GPS, I, I don't know that it's worthwhile. Yeah. Well, and it's hard inside. Yeah. You know, I mean, unless they, yeah. I don't know, did they have that, that the whole sonar system set up? Like, Yeah, they, they, I, I don't know exactly what, what they have, but I know they're selling right now their newest, the newest version is a, it's what they're calling a clear sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's where they're, I, th- I, I know, I forget what all the parameters it will give you, but I know it will give speed and distance indoors. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And so, like, like, like right now we have the, I don't, or in the, they're next door. But we're just doing everything, and we're doing it everything in the indoor model, unless I take them outside. Right, right. So then let's let's go back to to talking about that needs analysis and the athlete driving it and keeping it simple. So let's 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 talk about that a bit. Let's let's look at what you're doing, how you're, you know, you you might, for example, you mentioned those few kids that aren't doing the clean in the front squat. So so let's talk about how you're looking at these kids and some modifications that you're making. But still following kind of that kiss principle that you're using with the kids. Um, so I, I, I've got to set up basically in, in three different groups right now. My uh, explosive and strength group, my group that that obviously they, they need they they need to get stronger, you know, in terms of um, just physicality, uh, and you know they've got to be able to push better weight. Their their strength numbers are poor. Their their body weight to strength numbers are poor. That's my my stronger, and, and we'll we're, they're going to do more Olympic based training, and you know some stress shortening cycle stuff, some plyos, things of that nature. 
the other the other group that I have is my my janky leg group, um, and it's just you know it's it's your your typical athletes that that you know they you, they have lots of valgus stress when they move, and it's um, it's gross how you know when I say it's the the gross movement patterns are really poor, um, and they're extremely inefficient mechanically. Uh, and so they're, they're kind of in that group and it's not that, you know, look, they don't have any limitations. They're not, they're not on an injury report with having a problem, but from a movement standpoint, I've identified them as, okay, we've got issues with movement. We need to, we need to kind of go back to ground zero and look at, you know, how their hips move, how their, you know, what kind of range of motion they have, what kind of tightness they have and, and really address those issues before we try to load them with a the bar. Um, and not to say that they don't, they're not going to do stuff loaded. They're going to do stuff loaded, but you know, within reason. And then I have my weight management group where we're trying to keep them there. They have very good body weight to strength ratios. Uh, and they're from a, a weight standpoint, we're just, we're trying to keep them lean and fit. Um, and, um, I'm not going to say that I'm always happy with our strength numbers, uh, with, with that group, but, um, their, their effort is never an issue, you know, and we don't have problems with them, you know, being able to hit numbers when I, when I need them to hit numbers. Well, that's awesome. So let's talk about uh, that middle group a little bit. So if they're not hitting the stuff like that strength power group, so, so what are you doing different with those kids? Um, so we're doing a lot of, we're doing a lot of, um, I've been doing a lot of tempo-based stuff, uh, you know, kind of, you know, when I say, I don't, and I don't want to insult I don't want to insult anybody by saying we're using kind of their methodology or philosophy that I've adapted, um, but but I I like a lot of Polycon's pr principles. I, I I like doing you know um, lighter loads for longer periods of time, uh, and that's something I've actually stolen from Alan, where he was doing some minute up, minute down squats uh, with with teaching some of his uh, 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 novice athletes. Um, now it may be a body weight exercise, you know, obviously if it's doing, uh, yeah, I would hope so. Right. <laughs> Put two and a quarter on there. See if you can do a minute up, minute down. <laughs> um, but you know, that, that's kind of, that's where that philosophy is kind of driven from. Right. Um, and from what I found is that, that especially with some of my female athletes, that if they have any valgus or, you know, internal external rotation of the femur, uh, or, or movement, you know, you know, medial lateral movement of the knee while they're squatting. Excuse me, that's eliminated when they're doing that time time under tension. Most of the time, it's slow enough that, it, that they go through a normal biomechanical movement pattern, and they don't revert back to their old movement pattern or their own old movement habits. If you think about if it were possible to slow down the way that they jump, you you know you wouldn't see the gross biomechanical deficiencies manifest themselves. And that's, that's kind of, that's where this, that's where this group is going with stuff. Um, and it's, I mean, I, I got this from, from, from Dan John at, at the, the CSCCA national conference. He was talking about his kids hanging for 30 seconds, then doing a pull-up and that's how he tests his pull-ups. You know, when, when you've got to do something for a prolonged period of time, you can you you find out 
quickly who's strong enough and who's not strong enough. You know, because they, they normally will just break down. It's what, especially when you're looking at time under tension, you know, the loads are never going to be significantly heavy unless you're dealing with a specialized athlete. You know, and I, and I say that not at the collegiate level. Um, you know, it, it's so so the, the time under tension is what I found a lot of success with. With you know, I'm not saying we're correcting movement patterns or movement habits. I, I you know, I'm not I'm not dumb enough to say that because I know that you know being able to say I've corrected something is is a in my world is a big no no because you're we're not we're not correcting something like a, a functional movement screen. Somebody scores better, we didn't correct their deficiencies. They just got better at the movement test. Um, but what I have found is is that by getting them in slower positions, slower movement patterns, I should say, uh, they're able, able to yield a, a better biomechanical efficiency. And the muscle muscle deficiencies and weakness that they have, you know, don't manifest themselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're, when you're squatting and you have, you know, poor patellar tracking because your vastus lateralis and, and rectus femoris are stronger than your vastus medialis, you're going to have patellar tracking problems. Well, initially on, she, oh, it hurts my knees, it hurts my knees. We, we started doing temple. Never heard a word, word about the knee pain. Hmm. You know, because, because they're, they're now, now, because, you know, when they're doing that squat, not that we're going to use it for a minute, but if you're, you're using it for a minute, the correctable patterns, it's so slow that the corrections that you're voicing are able to be adapted and changed. And, you know, it, it seems a lot of the time when we're trying to look at movement and we're trying to correct somebody in squatting, it's, it's after they've done the rep, we're like, hey, do this. You know what I mean? It's, it's you know, when, when you're doing something time under, you're doing something for time, you can correct that as they're doing it versus after they've, after they've done it. Uh, and that's where I found success in. So that's really fascinating to me. So like you're literally sitting there and when they're coming down and you see their knees starting to come, it's like out, 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 hips back, yeah. whatever it may yeah. be. Yeah. And what like, let's, I mean, let's go back to our days when we we're, you know, doing a lot of box squatting with Louis, Louis, with Louis kind of, you know, the conjugate method with buddy. I mean, that's, you know, like, especially when you're doing like dynamic effort stuff, right. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're moving so fast and you're trying to get them to really accelerate the bar. You know, it's, all of a sudden, you're like, okay, wait, slow that down to a 10 count. All right? Now, you know, the second it takes me to say, sit back on your heels, keep your shin vertical, you can, you can physically do those things during that period of time right. and, and yield, good, you know, yield a good movement pattern. Um, and, that, and that's really, that's something I've stolen from Alan. I mean, I, I can't take any credit for it because he was talking about the success that he was having with some of his athletes um, at Carnegie Mellon is, is that, you know, he's like, look, he's like, we, you know, we may not have them all the time. And this is a great way for me to be able to teach them what we need them to do. And, and they're smart enough to figure out how to do it. Well, they're definitely smart enough there. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're not, <laughs> they're, they're not down at my level. <laughs> well, it's- What's awesome, though, is you're looking at something, and, and this is no disrespect to the student-athletes that Allen has, but it, there's a significant difference between the kids that are playing sports at Carnegie Mellon versus the kids that are athletes at Pittsburgh, and it's working at both ends of the spectrum. So that seems to tell me that this is a pretty effective thing that, I mean, of course, there's going to be outliers, but it seems like this would be something that would be very effective with most student-athletes. 
Yeah, and for me, from a, a teaching standpoint, like, you know, in my mind, what do kids lack? Focus and attention to detail. You know, so when you've got to do something for 10 seconds or 20 seconds, 10 seconds down, 10 seconds up, you, they, you know, they mindfully have to have, you know, and be present for that period of time. And a lot of times the load may not be that heavy, but you can make the exercise more challenging by, you know, either increasing the level of balance or stability that they have if they're doing a bodyweight squat or they're doing something along those lines that you can you can create kind of the competitive atmosphere that's going to yield them being more mindful. You know, that's that's really one of my big things this summer is I was like, look, we, we need to be mindful of what we're doing and, you know, being present, being in the moment. Uh, and that, and that's been and that's been a big I think it's been big help for me, at least, you know, with, with keeping it simple in terms of the movement patterns and having them get better at the simple things. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we, you know, we, we finally, we're in, we're in week four here, uh, and today was our first day of, so just some single leg, if you want to call, I, I call them pistol squats or piston squats, right. um, you know, the single leg squat down to a bench, and you know, we did it loaded the first day and only had one kid crash onto the bench. You know, so that, that shows me, like, okay, so what we've been doing is working. And, you know, if everybody but one was mindful and paying attention, then, you know, we're, we're doing pretty good. You know what I mean? And I, you know, like those little measurable successes is, am I going to sit back and, you know, this is the old, you know, Tommy Moffat adage, hey, next day's got, you know, the next day's got to be better. Today wasn't good enough. You know, but we're going to continue to keep challenging. But that's to me, we're we're making headway towards mm-hmm. the direction we want to go, and it, it's hard for us because we, I mean, you know, the wham, we got our kids for twelve weeks straight. You know, twelve weeks straight, wham. You know what I mean? Everybody would be like, "Oh my gosh, that's phenomenal!" But everybody knows that tenth, eleventh, and twelfth week, that you know, with basketball kids, they they don't want to be here. You know, they, there's no games. There's no. There's, you know what I mean? There's, there's no competitive edge to being here, and so you've got to, you know, you've got to, you've got to find winnable moments. Oh yeah, and on top of that, there's nobody else around, so the only people they're seeing are you and whoever else. Yeah, yeah. Um, now you said you did that. You've done that now for three weeks, two weeks, uh, four weeks, four We're weeks. Week. And is that how long you typically see for the need until you have results? Yeah, you know what, I. I, I wish I had a good answer for you. I don't know. Um, I, I, I will tell you this. In the postseason, we did uh, three weeks – or wait, I'm sorry, three weeks on, a week down, two weeks on with the tempo stuff. Phenomenal results. Phenomenal results. Um, both from – I mean, had, had every kid PR uh, in – now, I, I didn't actually test lower body stuff, um, but – uh, we we deadlifted and uh, deadlift and bench were the primary tests that we used at every kid PR. Wow! And so you know from that side from that standpoint, um, and I I wish I had a larger sample size. You know what I mean? Like I I wish I had a group of thirty or forty. You know what I mean? To be able to have you know when when you have smaller groups, you you know like you really have to be dialed in. Like when you have a, a larger sample size, you can have you know, two or three programs, and if one program's not quite successful, you know, the, the, the deficiencies in that program will probably be made up for another, you know, another groups. Right. Whereas when, 
when you're working with 12 to 14 kids, you you can't mess up. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, I mean, you can't you can't have any injuries, and and they've got to they've got to get better. So right. I, I I found that that the, the back to your question, I think the three week two week phases, um, I found with that kind of stuff have worked best. So you did it with a deadlift also, or were you just doing the yes. squat and the carry to the deadlift? Squat, deadlift, bench, and pull up. You did the, the the holds and the tempos for all of that. Yeah, for all of it. That's awesome, and that's really similar to uh, Jim Snyder talked about that at the seminar last year. It's really similar to some of his ideas with uh, doing holds and things of that nature for like, you know, the the tissue restructuring and remodeling uh-huh. and those sort of things. Mm-hmm. So it's that's a that's a neat way to do it, and it's uh, it, it's it's really fascinating to me how many people seem to take away, do things simpler, slow down, focus on technique, and not bury kids. And all of a sudden, they're just talking consistently about, well, we're getting better at all this stuff. Yeah. And we're healthy. You, you know, the, 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 it's funny you say that because I, I kind of revert back to when, you remember when Jay Schrader had, like, Adam Archuleta, and he was like, he, they were doing, like, you know, isometric, quasi-isometrics, and they were, they were doing holds for, like, 45 seconds with, with like crazy loads and, you know, and, and, and everybody's like kind of what's going on. And I remember everybody kind of reverting back to that. And then I, I saw Dan John present at the CSCCA and his, his deal was easy strength. And he was like, you know, just keep it simple, mm-hmm. you know, pick five exercises, do them five days a week. You know what I mean? And, and, and like, and that, and that works, I think really more in the, in the competitive post collegiate athlete world. Um, I mean, in, in our world, it would be it would be very I think a little bit harder to implement his system. Uh, not that you couldn't have success with it, because I'm sure you, you can have a success with a lot of things. But you know, just hearing him say, you know, keeping it simple, never going to failure, never missing reps, always feeling like you got one in the tank, you know. And that was that was that's one of buddy's that was one of buddy's deals. Like you know, we'd be doing stuff, and you know, when we would be max effort, you know, doing you know, West Side stuff, and it would be max effort stuff. And the first two weeks that we'd be doing stuff, he'd be like, always leave one in the tank. You know what I mean? And and that kind of that, that mind that mindset of, you know, always leaving, you know, you know one bullet loaded. That way you always have it to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that kind of goes back to, you know, a lot of the good practitioners, the, the Charlie Francis of the world and all the, uh, you know, all the, all the smart people, way smarter than me, that, you know, they're, they're always leaving – themselves you know battery half full versus half empty right. you know kind of you know keeping them keeping everybody primed and charged you know I, I think that's all that's been a really good tool for lack of a better word no and I couldn't agree more and I think that going to failure is I mean a tool that needs to be kind of kept in your back pocket for a special occasion you know yeah and, and, and not to say that like look there's there's some kids that I have they need to go to failure on a regular basis and not that they need to fail, but they need to learn how to work through that failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's, you know, and, there, and there's different stages, you know, like obviously with, you know, with a lot of your novice lifters, you don't necessarily want to do it's It's always content, you know, high level contraindication when you're dealing with novice lifters and taking them to failure. Right. But also the kid that takes the bar off the rack and takes it to the chest, like, I can't do it. Well, obviously, that's not to failure, right? Right. You know, if they're telling you, "Hey, I, I this is too heavy. I can't do this." 
or you just watch the bar. You know, it's if his buddy says if, if it's hell bent broke for election and it comes down and breaks the chest, you know it's too heavy. Right. <laughs> right. I, was, I was like, well, all right, that's a good way of putting it, yeah. but. You know, so, you know, like, we know whether or not, like, okay, that was failure, this is, you know, and so, and, and that's where I always, you know, I, I, I completely agree with you, the, the doing stuff to failure, doing stuff just because it's hard versus doing it for the purpose, um, you know, I, I think there, there's a lot that, a lot that goes into that, and I, I think now in, in our world of, in my world of, of college basketball, I think that that everybody's just gone to the, the, the CrossFit slash circuit mentality of just make it hard so they sweat a lot versus, you know, and then throw in corrective exercises and then you walk out the door and that was a good day. Mm -hmm. And, and for me, I'm like, okay, well we need to, you know, in my mind, we need to, we need to be able to, A, we need to, you know, be able to tolerate and handle loads uh, and we be, we need to be able to repetitively jump at, a, at an elite level for each individual person that's, you know, their, their level of elite, right. you know, whether you're, whether you're a 12, you know, whether you're down there with me at the 12 inch vertical range or you're up with the demails of the world in the 30 and the 40 range. Yeah. Once, once upon a time, <laughs> those elite level soccer days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think they were called the nineties. Oh. <laughs> but no, Tim, I, <laughs> Tim, man, some freaking fascinating points. You know, just keeping it simple, making sure you're good at what you're going to do, and slowing things down to learn are three key things that, I mean, if you can't take that from this talk and, and implement that when you turn this off, I, and I don't know what, what to do. I mean, I, it's, those are some big-time points that I think that are, are really overlooked, like the needs analysis that, People need to keep in mind, man. I, I really appreciate your candor and you know you being so open with what you're doing and sharing with everybody today. Yeah, well, hey, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it, and I enjoy the podcast. So I'm I'm, I'm honored and pleasure. You know, it's my pleasure to be here. Well, thanks again, buddy, and we will uh, we'll talk real soon. All right, bud. All right, sounds good. All right, man. All right, bye. Huge thanks to University of Pittsburgh's assistant strength coach Tim Belts for sitting down and talking with us today. Guys, every time I talk with Tim, I always take a ton from it. I hope you guys enjoyed the talk. If you did, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice. Tweet it, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it may be. Help us share the information, guys. We're just trying to get good stuff out to the great coaches out there. So if you could share it for us, we'd be greatly appreciative. Uh, again, thank you guys for being a part of everything we do here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.